I'm not, I haven't finished college. I'm two credits shy. I'm two credits shy of like the most inane class. It's like a, a sociology elective or something like that. And I won't finish. That's intentional. And there's a couple reasons. One of the reasons was, is I had the class that I was supposed to do and I flunked it because I missed an assignment. Uh, and I didn't have it ready on time. And the teacher was actually ready to give me an extension. I said, you know what? If I take this extension now, I'll be taking extensions for the rest of my life. And I'll always be giving up, giving a way out. And I go, I'd actually rather just take this one shit. So this is my <laughs> character. So this is my senior year, which ultimately meant I didn't graduate. But I didn't go, I didn't go to college to get the slip to go get to have permission to do the rest of my life, right? And I knew, I knew when I went into college that I wasn't going to use the degree permission slip to do the thing I was going to do afterwards, which meant that that wasn't what I was there for. So part of me not going back and getting that is to show, like, you don't have to have it to go do the next thing. podcast of people in their dream jobs and how they got to where they are. My name is Harris Newman. The guest is Jelani Memory. Jelani is the founder and CCO of Circle Media. They're a tech company based here in Portland and they're most well known for a product they made called Circle. Circle is basically a way for parents to monitor the content their kids watch. Um, also, they can set time limits on their devices. They can pause them when needed. It's basically a way to bring families closer together. Here's the interesting story about Circle. When they were just starting, they launched a Kickstarter because they needed funding, and the Kickstarter actually failed. Not long after, like days after, they got a call from Disney. One of Disney's designers saw the Kickstarter before, loved the product, and now Disney wanted to put their name on it. They wanted to become a sponsor. Once this happened, Circle blew up. Jelani's name was in major magazines, uh, Wired, Fortune covered him. Um, he was interviewed all over the place in all these tech blogs. And actually, uh, this was just recently, Apple's CFO uh, stated publicly that he uses Circle in his home and he's thankful for what it does for he and his family. So that was a pretty cool endorsement. And here's what I found most interesting about Jelani. So now he's the founder of this tech company but he didn't even have a background in technology, um, nor design or computer science or anything. He was actually a photographer. So of course my question is, how do you go from being a photographer to becoming the CCO of one of the fastest growing tech startups around? The answer in Jelani's path is really quite simple and it's, it's actually quite elegant as well. Um, but I'll let him take it from here. Is I love work. I've never been bored a single day in my life. I love always loved all the jobs that I've had, but that's mostly because I've given myself permission to pursue jobs that I love. It doesn't mean they're easy jobs, but I've given myself permission to be able to do that. So not have to ever do a job that I'm not all three of three things. Good at it, it makes me money, uh, and I love it. It has to always be those three things. If those three things are great, I pursue it. Yeah, even, even when you were younger, like just coming out of school or 
Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, I, I can even go back. Uh, I was a terrible student, like really, really bad. Um, and mostly because I was just bored in class all the time. Uh, so, but so I was bored in school, but then not. Once uh, you were done with school, it was like, it, it, exactly. This is the fun stuff. This is the fun stuff. <laughs> um, Interesting. Because uh, I got to choose my own projects after school. So getting to choose that, that route, especially when I embraced that in college and then after college, it was like, it came really, really It's like, this is what I wanted to be doing all along. Just didn't want to be put in the system for, yeah. for these years. Yeah, and part of it is I realized it had some value for some folks, but not value for me. That uh, I actually, I, I could find my own way with things uh, and, and pursue my own course, which, which led me from, you know, so I went to Multnomah University. I still am two credits shy of a Bachelor of Arts in Bible and Theology. I became a photographer directly afterwards, um, you know, selling soft photography, taking baby photographs, eventually doing weddings, and doing weddings like a lot. Um, but I kept evolving to go, well, what if I tried this? What if I tried this? And every time I would take on a new piece of business and it would start to become the primary piece of my business, I'd kill off another piece. So at the height of me doing more weddings than any other kind of thing, I killed it because I wanted to transition into doing commercial photography. Good for you. Um, and then transition to getting to do sports portraiture. And then it was like, you know, this video thing actually would be really cool if I made videos. Um, so I figured I'd just learn it. So I spent a year making videos for free until somebody's like, hey, you need a video. Like, can you do this front? And I was like, yes. And I got my first paid gig. Nice. And then eventually I got to transition into like that being my primary mode of business. And then I would add on photo on top of that. Yeah. And I like how you kept it tight, it sounds like. Yeah. Like, uh, you take one thing on and you, you cut something else off. Yeah, yeah, because you can't, you can't do everything. Um, and for me, it was, I want to find something that I love, that I can become good at, that'll eventually make me money, get good at that, do that, pursue that, sort of creatively fulfill myself and find another thing. It was always easy to be able to find another thing, and that became a natural evolution through my career, if you want to call it a career, to be able to always move to the next thing. The next thing would sort of present itself to you. Yeah. I actually, I'm a, I'm a big believer that the things you're going to do five years from now, 10 years from now, a year from now, is a thing you're already doing, but in beta. Really? Yeah. Like what? Um, well, I'll, I'll, I'll give a couple uh, examples. Uh, so for me, um, I'd always been an artist. Uh, and so in college, that never left. It just sort of lay dormant until it got triggered. And I was really, I was going to go do off and do a whole bunch of other things after college. It wasn't photography. Photography was like a, a nice, fun hobby that in the greatest off chance might make me enough money to pay off like one of my student loans, <laughs> like over the course of 20 years, right? Yeah. Um, and, and so I started doing it without it needing to have to be anything. Just a pure fun and passion play. And doing that while I was doing a bunch of other stuff, working at camps and a few other things, until it started to pay all my bills. And I was like, I think this makes me a photographer. I think that's that's my job now because because I've been doing that, right? And that I I just had an interest in video, right? It wasn't like a an economic plan. And I started doing it and tinkering with it until I got it right. And that's even evolving through the different sort of stages of my photo taking and different things that I did. 
but that that idea of something being in beta is like you don't just show up and have an opportunity handed to you because um, it gets snatched right back if you're not ready for it, right? Yeah. I just keep finding along the way the same thing happening that I'm I'm beginning to become ready for something when that opportunity arrives to chase it. But in part, I think that opportunity arrives because I was ready, right? Because I had been in beta for a little bit with that thing, whatever that thing was. Yeah, it sounds like one doesn't outweigh the other. Like, perhaps they come together yeah. naturally. Yeah, there's a I'm, a, I'm a big fan of when you get something in beta, then you start to broadcast that. Yeah. You start to say, hey, here's what I'm doing. So that's why I said, oh, I'm making videos now. Like, people didn't know the quality, good, bad, whatever. It was just like a thing I was doing. So then, you get somebody who goes, oh, hey, well, like, I know a guy who kind of needs one. Can you do it? I was like, yeah, I can. Mm. And that same thing, actually, I, I, I got into building websites for a little bit. And mostly it was just out of, it was fun. I was kind of good at it. Uh, and so you broadcast a little bit going, oh, here's what I'm doing, right? And yeah. sort of gets to the grapevine. Oh, I, I know a guy who needs one. Can you do that? Yeah, yeah sure. And you, if you do it and you do it well, then you get to do another one. And if you do that one really well, you can keep getting to do them. Um, but in any case, you started because you liked it. Started because you liked it. Yeah, that's exactly it. I like that, and I like um, that like, you don't have to wait for someone to call you that. You're already doing it. Yeah. So you're that. Like, yeah. <laughs> you're taking photos. You're a photographer. Yeah. It sounds like. Um, yeah. I, <laughs> the thing I keep coming across is everybody's waiting for permission. They're waiting for their permission slip to get to do the thing. Uh, typically, that comes in the form of a degree in college, right? Yeah. Uh, you get to be a lawyer after you do school and get the permission slip, right? So right. Now you get to go be a lawyer, right? And I think what we've done is we've taken really highly professional jobs like law lawyers, doctors, nurses, things like that, and we translated that methodology to every other kind of job, right? So. <laughs> Photographer, singer, artist, like every other thing we go, well, gosh, like, who am I? Like, I'm not anybody, like, I don't really just be that. Like, so, so then we don't, we don't give ourselves permission to be that thing until we reach some milestone, we achieve some educational sort of status. And for me, it was always easy to go, well, I am this if I do this. That doesn't make me good at it. But if I get good at it, you better believe I am that. When I told people I was interviewing him, he's like, yeah, so he, he has this tech product it's called Circle, or the media company is called Circle, and it's like, he was a photographer before that. Everyone's like, how does that happen? <laughs> how does that make sense? Like, how do you go from photos to tech? But, yeah, I, I mean, it, it is a really wild, crazy journey that seems really circuitous, but there is some, yeah, some nice linear dotted lines of how things connect. And, and I think, you know, like I always like to say, I was, I was really good at photography by accident mm. um, because I was good at other things like storytelling, um, like being able to understand what people are responding to. Mm. Um, I just happened to use certain technical tools to achieve something that people resonated with. Yeah. Um, but I was never bothered with having to use those specific tools to achieve my ends. 
um, which is why the flow into video is so easy, um, because it's just another set of tools to do the same thing I've been doing all along. Um, this is what I do. Everything else is just a kind of exactly. manifestation or a sort of the vehicle through which. And if you remember that whole idea of being a beta, it was what I was doing as a kid. I was, I was, I was producing artwork. I was drawing comic book characters, you know, because I was obsessed with like the X Men, right? And I was, I was interested in this idea, even as a kid, of drawing something that was larger than life, but connected with my humanity. You know, like I was, I was trying to show something again bigger than life, but, but, but also deeply rooted. You know what I mean? Um, and again, try and cause that spark and tell a story that when you, when you looked at the image, it wasn't just good, it wasn't just accurate, but it, you felt something, it meant something, right? Um, and, and when I started doing photography, it was just a different set of tools to achieve those same things. Because when you're taking a photograph of somebody, it's, it's the least literal thing there is. It's, it's almost all imagined, it's a point of view. It's actually what you're seeing when you see a photograph is the way the photographer sees that person, not the person themselves, right? And product development, right? Same thing. What you're seeing is not just this thing, but it's a, it's a point of view, it's an angle, it's, it's a belief on what matters, right? Um, which is why fundamentally Microsoft has always been bad. Well, Microsoft and Samsung, been bad at copying Apple is they they copy the, the things themselves or at least try to uh, without copying the belief. Now of course copying belief is very hard, right? Because uh, you actually have to believe make it. Um, which is a side note, which is what's amazing with Satya Nadella who's taken over Microsoft, he goes, you know what? Let's just believe what we believe. And here's what I believe. We're gonna be a cloud first company. It's like, oh, what, is it, what does that even mean? And now he's taking the company in a totally different direction, and they're they're innovating, but they're innovating because they're not trying to copy. It's actually it's really kind of magical, and he's brought sort of a spirit back to their business that wasn't there before. So I, I love the idea of like a pure belief, and it's amazing. Um, when I say pure, I don't want to be too romantic about it, but just that like it it, it means something deeper to you. This profits or um, success, and I thinking of that the, the five years. Right, it sounds like a belief is strong enough to make that five years where it's not you're not a martyr, perhaps. Yeah, you know, I mean, you know, like it's funny the ugh, like it all sort of matches together, you know. Um, the goal is, is always the same, but the, the execution always is different. Um, the goal is, is, is to make something that matters, and making something that matters just doesn't, doesn't really matter how long it takes you to make that thing, because it matters, right? Um, and you, you find that thing over time, and how that evolves, um, and I think, it's, I think it's better said, like, that I've spent my whole life chasing something and, and reaching it, but conti continuing to chase it anyways, which is like, which is that passion to make something that matters, but to make more of it, you know? Like, I, I 
dearly miss my photography business. Like, I miss shooting weddings. I miss doing charcoal portraiture, you know? I miss reading comic books as a kid. Like, but I miss those things in a fond way, not in a, like a long way, like, I wish I could go back. Uh, it's, it's that those things matter. And I got to move on to more things that matter. Um, and, and I think that leads to not just a fulfilling career, but a fulfilling life. That the separation between personal and work is as really ridiculous, I think. Um, that we bring our persons to work. It is work is deeply personal, and it ought to be. Um, we do our best work when it is personal to us, I think. Um, and and at the end of the day, I'm, I'm not just striving to like make work matter, but I'm trying to make my life matter. <laughs> and <laughs> you know, yeah, uh, and yeah, my job is a part of that. You know, my work is a part of that. Um, yeah, it's all one thing. Like it's all one thing. Work. It's like we're all one person. We have this idea that we're different people in different parts of our life. We're really not. This that's it's a really crazy way to think that the person you are when you go home is not the person you are at work. You might bring a different set of skills or knowledge to bear, but it's, it's still accessing from the same bucket. You know what I mean? Uh, and those experiences, they bleed. They bleed across into each other. You know, like if you get a bad night's sleep at home, that affects your next day at work, right? If you have to stay late because your boss is having to stay late, that means you get home later, right? It's like, these things should be really obvious, but we try and like sequester them off as if they are complete, complete sort of uh, different buckets, if you will. Has it, um, it sounds like for you it's been pretty well integrated, or did you ever kind of struggle with because um, it, it seems very seamless. Yeah, I mean, it's, it, I'd say it's always been seamless for me, but um, uh, I just I just don't know any other way. What about people where it's not seamless? What do you think is happening? It's a good question. I think the thing I hear most, and it sort of goes back to that idea of permission, is... Uh, is, is such a high desire for security um, and safety and uh, reducing struggle as much as possible that people start really meandering and, and moving in ways that avoid anything that's dangerous, anything that's risky. Um, and actually, I think in, the, in that process, create the most risky kind of life. <laughs> um, really? What do, you, I, what do you see in the riskiness? I mean, uh, imagine always always avoiding something hard, uh, always avoiding anything that's a major obstacle, always doing things safe. That's, that's going to lead you to a, a life or a career that ultimately can't be satisfying, can't be sort of character building, and and will ultimately be unfulfilling, which is, which is the riskiest thing possible, right? Um, to spend your entire life doing something that doesn't matter, right? That's that's not a risk even worth remotely considering. And yet, yeah. uh, in most folks, yes, many people are there. Many people are there, right? Because they're told, oh, well, what if that doesn't work out? You know, 
then where will you be? Or, you know, like this, like, so I got this do two years of student body president. The first year was an utter failure. Like, it was bad. <laughs> like, public apology to the school. <laughs> like, you know, losing friends on my team. Like, and I, I understand, it's like, I sucked at this. Like, I thought I was going to crush it, and I sucked at this. But I was like, you know what? I think I just learned how to do it. I'm going to do it another year. And this next year, I'm going to take everything that I learned this year and actually apply it. And I get, like, luckily, I got elected again to do it another year. And I think did an amazing job. Like, I figured it out. I figured out how to do that thing that it was. And that was, it was really about um, kind of being able to to learn it as I went. And that was okay. It was okay if I failed. But that wasn't actually a big deal. But maybe actually failure was a part of the process and not the end of the process. Which it, it seems pretty inevitable, too. Like when you're starting something new, hadn't done it before. Um, but also, like, I know, speaking from my experience, like, looking back at some of those, like, failures, I'm like, damn it. <laughs> I was bad at that. It's like, that made me who I am today. And that sounds kind of cliche, but it's true. Yeah. That's where the lessons, yeah. the lessons came from. Which is, the incredible part of that is that we can't, like, most people struggle to take that reality that their failures make them who they are and see that in the midst of their failure. Like if you can see that in the midst of your failure, it changes the whole point. You go, instead of something bad is happening to me, you go, oh my gosh, I think actually something really good is happening. That something positive is happening in this moment where I'm failing. Not just what can I learn so I can get past this, but what is this thing now and what is it shaping? What is it producing? What, who is it making me into be? And how can I embrace that? Not try and push it back and reject it and try and limit the the struggle of it, you know? Yeah. But to take it on, you know? That this thing happening right now is not trying to hurt me. Yeah. Or like not at its deepest level, but this is my next opportunity to grow. Exactly. It's like um, the thing I say to my kids when they're upset is as I try and go, is something bad happening? And for them to be able to think about that and go, no, and then I go, but why are you upset? Like, and they can sort of search their feelings to understand that, and they can go, because I wanted a thing and I didn't get it. And that can be because of their own selfishness, you know what I mean? But to get them to see that and understand that, you know? And to like, like, here's one of the worst things parents can do, is when a kid's crying, is go, oh, don't cry. And try and wrap them up really quick and make their tears go away. Mm -hmm. Let them cry. They feel a thing called sadness or pain or grief. That's this is what the body does when it feels sad. Let it do that. Be in the midst of that with them, sit in that with them, but don't try and wash it away or take it away or invalidate it. Or give them something to go, oh, I don't want you to feel pain. Mm -hmm. Right? Because then you're gonna build kids that aren't resilient at all, that can't handle anything. And so we do that with our own failures, which is remarkable to me. We try and satiate the pain of the failure right away. We try and take it away. We try and take our minds off it. We try and numb ourselves. We try and veg out. We distract ourselves. Or, even worse, we avoid the possibility of failing at all. And, and that, like, so when something does happen, somebody dies, some negotiation fails, we lose a contract, we get fired. We just, we don't know how to handle it at all. And like, 
we lose ourselves, right? Instead of building up a history and resilience um, of struggle, of pain, of, of those things that are actually just a really natural part of life that aren't really bad in themselves. You know, we don't like them, they don't feel good, but everybody knows that feeling after you've had a good cry, how you feel afterwards. It's that feeling of relief. Yeah. We never even, we half the time don't let ourselves get there, especially professionally. We just, you know, yeah, we don't let ourselves get there. You're a really good father. I want to. I want to say that. That's. Um, I think everyone can like can gain something, something from that. There's another moment that really interested me. Um, this was the uh, what sort of hooked me that your story was the failed Kickstarter to the call, the call from Disney. Sure. And I know that we talked about it a lot, but I was I was wondering about. Um, Given what we just talked about, that moment when the Kickstarter failed, what was, did that hurt or was? Yeah, I mean, again, just like, just like anything hurts, just like failure hurts, just like stepping on a Lego hurts, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, but it's, uh, it's like the, I'm not a fan of pushing through. Pushing through says, I'm going to turn myself off and make it on the other side of it so I don't have to feel anything until it's good again and then I'm going to feel it. Um, you feel the thing while it's happening, but you don't, like, our, I think our natural instinct without some training and without some really deep thinking is when we feel pain is to stop it. Or like sadness, physical pain, or whatever, right? Which is why we're always looking for shortcuts. How do I get the thing without feeling the pain? about the cost uh, and, and that was painful it was really painful but it wasn't yet but granted you didn't know what the way out was but it wasn't yet I think I, I mean as much as it was really as simple as that that calculus is always really simple for me calculus uh, meaning like just because you failed doesn't mean you have to stop or doesn't mean it's over it doesn't mean that uh it's all said and done. Does that make sense? I mean, again, it's really, it's, it sounds really like trite uh, and simple, but um, but it's way different when it's happening to you. And again, because like, I think a lot of people, I'll say myself, don't really know how to internalize it, where you see failure, quote, quote unquote, and it's like, this is a sign saying this, this is the end. So, yeah, it's, I look at more, you know, Stuff is going to happen. Good things, bad things, hard things, um, crappy things, all across the board. They're like mile markers. <laughs> With it's regularity, they will happen. Yeah. This is the, the spice of life. It, nobody gets to the 50th mile marker and goes, I give up. <laughs> you know? When they know they have 100 miles to go, so it's like, it's just like telling you, like, well, what did you think was going to happen? Like. Did it, does it have to be all perfect? Or do you have to know with 100% clarity and certainty that you will reach the end thing? And even what is the end thing? Exactly, what is the end thing? But even then, I, I actually, I think most people, if you were to tell them, you're gonna build something successful, it's gonna take you this long, and here's all the stuff that's gonna happen along the way, wanna sign up? They're gonna go, well, I don't wanna go through that. Even knowing the end, I don't wanna go through that. That sounds terrible, right? 
it's like they they want the thing, but they don't want the way to get there. Mm. Um, so, I mean, my best example is the marathon. It's like everybody would love to run 24. however many miles, right? Nobody wants the pain of being able to do that. You know, these are what your legs are going to feel like after exactly day seven. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and and for me, it's just being able to look at that thing and go, "This is actually what it's supposed to look like." This is mile marker 17 and, and the journey to get there. And in fact, I actually walk in going, it's very likely that I will reach my end destination. Because I do think there are, there are destinations that you're trying to achieve and trying to reach. If I just stay in the game, that's, that's actually, that's the difference between making it and not making it. It's just staying in the game, not quitting the journey. Uh, and most people just quit. They just leave the journey because they don't like the journey. Um, and for me, having a certainty of the thing coming at the end by virtue of just staying in it, it means, okay, well, I'm going to be at this for a while. That thing's going to come. It's going to be cool. It's probably going to look a little different than I thought it was going to look. But this journey thing, I think this is where it's, there's going to be more time spent in this thing than at the end thing. So I probably should enjoy it along the way. How can I enjoy it along the way? What, what, what can I learn along the way? What can I embrace along the way? Look at that, those moments though where like it's freaking dark. Oh, like it's it's hard. It's in a, it's hard to stay conscious of that. Like, how can I still yeah get something from this? Yeah, I mean, well, it, part of it it comes down to what you've staked into it. So for me, you know, like uh, the, those journeys, um, they're all different, right? So my role as a father in that journey is different than my role as a husband, it's different than my role uh, as a founder of Circle. Um, and I stake different pieces of who I am within those things. So that, well, here, here's the thing, if you put the wrong things, the wrong eggs in the wrong basket, then when that thing fails, it wipes out a piece of you that shouldn't be wiped out. What do you mean? It's, it's going, I matter if, if my business is successful. As soon as you say that, watch out, because then anytime it gets really risky or close to danger, or you actually do experience a real failure, all of a sudden you don't matter. And that's, that's it's, there's those two things that do not connect, but we make them connect, right? Which makes us cheat, shortcut, do all sorts of things, and actually not enjoy the process because we've got something baked into the thing we're doing, is actually not directly connected to it. Right? Wow. Uh, which is why, like, for me, that's most intimately connected with my relationship with my wife, right? Like, nothing should be working at the expense of that. Anything. Work, kids, it doesn't matter. And actually, because that's a big core piece of where I'm going to get my sense of, of matter. Right, is actually being a good husband, not not necessarily being successful at my job, um, which sounds a little silly, but actually, not yeah. removing removing that sort of risk then allows me to take the kind of risks that should be taken in the office. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. My last question for you. This is what I ask everyone. Okay. Why do you love what you do? I love what I do. I mean, it's. It's really simple because, because I'm made to do it. 
like it, it taps into who I am innately from all my different weird, strange skills that span so many different things that I get to bring all those things to bear, which ultimately makes it immensely fulfilling. It's like, uh, I don't know, and I imagine a, a woodworker, like, they only got to use one of their tools the whole time, <laughs> have all the rest sitting there. But I get to sort of sit down on my bench. All my possible tools are there. I can move every single one of them every day. What do you say to someone who's, um, they're not, they're not that, like they, um, they're in a job they don't really enjoy. And they know a few things that they're good at. Is there anything next that you can do? It's funny because, you know, like most kids, they like to ask why a lot. I mean, my kids are no different. Uh, I'm a parent who likes to ask why a lot, so I ask my kids why. And I force them to say the truth, the thing they really believe internally. And it takes a while to get there. It takes like 10 questions down until they are really able to get there with the thing, whatever it's about, right? I would ask the person in that position, why? So you're at a job you don't like? Why? Oh, because you need to pay rent? Well, why? And, and just follow it down this rabbit trail, and you almost always get to an answer that <laughs> they're likely to go say something and they, they'll know it's wrong. They'll know they shouldn't believe that or embrace that or pursue that, but it's sat at the core bottom of all their beliefs, right? Which is like, well, I just, you know, like my dad's never been proud of me and I just want to be proud of him. So, like that led to a rabbit trail of like, that's why I'm doing a thing I don't like. Or, or I'm afraid of failure. And so that's why I'm going through the same your job that I don't like. Or I'm afraid if I can't keep up my car payments and uh, my house payments that my wife's not going to like me and she's going to think I'm, you know, not a good husband. That's why I'm doing this. And once you get there, then people start to go, oh, Maybe I should just go to ask my wife, do you still like me? Do you love me? If I did this, would you be mad at me? You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. uh, and but I think it, it, at the core of it, and how we haven't talked about this, I, I don't really know about this, um, is people don't want to tell themselves the truth. Uh, we either ignore it or we lie to ourselves about what's really true, about why we um, it drives people nuts that I haven't graduated from college, which is which is crazy to me. It's like so so like when I've I've had like a couple careers after college, like the thing that college was supposed to get me, like I got it right, like that's true, and they can go yeah yeah yeah, but you didn't finish. It's like, but what's at the core of that? Like, and it's and it's their thing going like, well, but like if you don't have a degree, then like. And they, and they don't know what, what to say after that. It's like, something's wrong. I don't know what's wrong, but something's wrong, right? And it's just their core belief of like, well, you know you're successful when you go off from high school to go to college and you get a degree and you get a job. And all of a sudden, when one piece of that puzzle is missing, people go, well, wait, like, but that doesn't make any sense. That's not cool. That's not fair. That's, that doesn't, you know, those things don't connect. But I think people aren't asking themselves those there's deeper questions, and you need to be able to solve what you want.
Surprise the match, status, fame, approval, um, motivate people to do very strange things. So, sounds like trying to figure out that process, that why process. Like, is that is that with someone else? I, I, I mean, I think it's as much as journaling. Or? Yeah, just be honest with yourself. I mean, like sit down and take the time to have a scary conversation with yourself, which is, why am I doing this? Why am I actually intentionally making myself unhappy? Yeah. Um, no one's forcing me to do it. No one's forcing me. And actually, people, it's like, I'm amazed when people go, I don't like my boss. It's like, oh, so go somewhere else. And you're like, oh, well, but, you know, like, and you just get, like, it's really easy to, like, you get two questions in, you go, like, but you're choosing that. But you're choosing that, you yeah, know? and that'll frustrate people too. Exactly, it's, and it's a hard thing to own. Exactly, and that's that's another thing. Is like we want to lie to ourselves, and we also don't want to own the responsibility of our current plight. We want to blame it on somebody else. But even if we can change it, like changing it then means owning whatever comes next, right? And that's scary for people. Um, I just go like, I I'd rather choose something that makes me mildly happy than helps me to choose for me something that maybe makes me outrageously happy. Like, but getting to choose that means you own it, right? And you bear the responsibility of it. I love that. I just You choose your own evolution. Yeah. In every moment, like, you're choosing how you can evolve greater. And I think that inherent in that is ownership. Yeah. Owning your growth. Life, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, which was why I, which is why, genuinely, I think school was so hard for me, um, because I wasn't, I wasn't the typical student that was like, oh, I'm never going to use this for anything. Like, why am I learning calculus? It was just going like, I could be doing better things. I want to, I want to own my time, what I'm doing, because I think I can go make some things that matter. And I find a lot of encouragement from all sorts of other stories from founders and entrepreneurs who bore that same likeness of just wanting to own their own path, mm. um, to own their own future, to, to make a new thing, to not just follow in somebody else's footsteps. You know, like, share, I, I don't know who said this or how it was exactly quoted, but it's like, don't try and be, you, you'll never become the next Elon Musk by trying to be like Elon Musk. Mm -hmm. Do it by trying to be yourself. Do it like yourself in that. Yeah. It's like, and I am, I am obsessed with just being the best version of me, whatever that means. But that'll, that'll bear itself out in a very specific way because I'm uniquely made of a bunch of different parts and influences and experiences that can, that will get thrown out in a very uh, unique way. And that's really what I'm on a mission to more clarify that and not be busy about trying to copy others or be like others or carry some status in others. Because that, uh, that look-alike game, it's a dangerous one to play. Because um, then you might end up at the, at the end of the road realizing you're not even yourself anymore. You're just a version of somebody else uh, that is ultimately very unenjoyable. And, and I think 
I think when people hear my story, the remarkable jarringness of, you know, Bible college to photography to technology makes them go, huh, okay, like, but how, right? And, and my how is just like, be your own how, do your own thing, you know, like, figure that out for yourself. grateful that that happened so thank you hope you enjoyed it um if you're still listening a few a few asks of you one um if you can leave a review on itunes or rate the episode that is highly appreciated again i, th I thought it was a pretty cool story jelani shared and the more people that listen to it the better this increases the chances of that happening um also you know liking the facebook page spreading the word, telling your friends, all of these are very much appreciated. And of course, I've said this before, I always say it again, if you have any thoughts or um, con not concerns, but anything you want to share, let me know. I, I love hearing feedback about the show or, you know, what you liked, didn't like, etc. Just let me know what you're up to. I, you know, love chatting with, love chatting with folks. All right, take it easy. Bye-bye.